Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Steel Sports Podcast, the podcast that puts kids first. I'm your host, Nathan Clinkenbeard, and I was pleased to be joined for this episode by a great friend of ours here at Steel Sports and one of our advisory board members, Bobby Valentine. With over two decades of professional managing experience and his current position in college athletics, Bobby is the quintessential guest to discuss the impact coaches have on athletes. Coaches can have a massive impact on the growth and development of our kids, not just on the field, but off the field as well through character and leadership building, and that's what we're all about at Steel Sports. Bobby shares his stories about the man who changed his life, what he tried to pass along to his players, and we even have time to switch gears to get some recruiting advice during this pandemic. There's a little something for everyone in this episode. I hope you enjoy our conversation. I'm pleased to be joined by former Major League Baseball player and manager, the current executive director of athletics at Sacred Heart University in Fairfield, Connecticut. And and I want to emphasize this for our players, our parents listening, a multi-sport athlete growing up. I know he was baseball, football, track. I know there were other sports I'm sure he played, but uh, he is Bobby Valentine. Bobby, thanks for joining the Steel Sports Podcast. Hey, Nate. Great, great being with you and great being part of your team. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I had to bring up the, the multi-sport subject because, uh, you know, so many kids want to want to specialize these days and I'm sure you see it, but uh, you know, how often do you use your, your personal experience to, to talk to kids or, or their parents about the importance of playing multiple sports? Well, first off, Nathan, it's very important, uh, I think, to do it yet. It's very challenging to uh, get off of the travel team and play on another team and uh, not to lose your spot. And uh, so in this new world of of travel sports and uh, of high competition for the next level of playing, uh, a lot of parents understandably uh, are concentrating on one sport. Now, you mentioned sports that I played. Probably the coolest and most uh, uh, fun and also the sport that helped me the most in other sports was my ballroom dancing. You know, everyone kind of laughs when I say that, but when I was 12, 13, 14, and 15 years old, I took ballroom dance lessons. I competed at the highest level in the country, actually in the world. I won international dance competitions. And I learned about teamwork, dancing with a partner, knowing a step. I learned about commitment. I learned about uh, pressure of being on the dance floor and judges watching you go around and, and doing your thing. It helped me with balance. It helped me with my body control and with rhythm. And all those things are necessary to be a world-class or a very good athlete. And I highly recommend dancing to all of those uh, athletes who are out there. And it might not even interfere with their number one sport. I, I, I mean, I have to ask, you know, why hasn't Dancing with the Stars given you a call? I mean, oh, <laughs> oh no, no, I, I could have gone on. I didn't have the commitment that it takes. It takes about six weeks of practice to go on yeah. uh, dancing with the stars. And I, I didn't have that time. And now I have a broken leg too. To, uh, <laughs> leg. So um, it, it doesn't uh, really go re- bode real well with the balance feature. Sure. 
Well, I, I, I want to dive into to this topic. You know, we, we wanted to have you on and, and talk about the, the impact that, that coaches have on athletes and, you know, know that, that you can, you know, definitely speak on this and, you know, kind of sticking back with your, your younger days. And, you know, I wanted to ask you, you know, who's, you know, I, I think about the coaches that, that I had growing up and, you know, they, they kind of stick in your mind and, you know, the people that, uh, you know, really helped you develop as a person, but, you know, who, who's that first coach that, that you can remember? And, uh, you know, what, what do you remember about them? Well, I was a real lucky guy. I only had good coaches in my youth um, and, and maybe even all great coaches. Uh, the first one I remember was my little league coach. Uh, Mike Mancini was his name. Uh, he knew the game. Uh, he bought us pizzas, pizza after every game. Uh, he knew our parents' name. He knew our brothers' and sisters' names. And, um, you know, he created a real family atmosphere, which, um, you know, is is really part of creating a team. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, what we're doing here at Steel Sports, you know, really diving into our coaching system where, you know, we're we're investing in coaches. And, you know, a lot of times, a lot of youth organizations, you know, the, the focus is on the players and, and rightfully so. But, uh, you know, a, a big part of this is, is the coaches as well. And, you know, so wh why is it important that, that we take the time to, to invest in our coaches and, and really support their growth? Well, one for the uh, sport, that the sport uh, needs good coaches, but two for the kids. Uh, in, in today's world, um, they, they don't have the social contact with uh, adults, if you will, uh, that uh, mm. helps growth. And if we can instill our values in our coaches who then try to uh, transmit those values to their players, we're going to build uh, leaders of the future. We're going to create a, an enjoyable experience that the um, youth of today, uh, when they're adults, will either want to be coaches or they'll look back at their uh, experience with their coach in a very favorable way. Too many kids have had bad experiences with coaches. And the main mm -hmm. reason for that is most of the coaches uh, only qualification to be a coach is that they played. And I think that should be the last qualification uh, because uh, you know, the, the kids don't care what you know until they know that you care. And you know, if you're, if you're a giving person and um, you understand our core values, you have a chance of um, being a successful coach. Yeah, and I think I think something that we're seeing, and especially during this pandemic, and and we look at we look at teachers, and you know, I think in, in these seven months, you know, a lot, a lot of us as parents, we we kind of take teachers for granted, and you know, the the support role that they play for our kids, and you know, helping them develop, and you know, you can kind of put youth coaches in, in the same line with, with teachers and, you know, are, are youth coaches taken for granted sometimes, you know, when it comes to the role that they play in developing our kids? Oh, absolutely. You know, uh, uh, teachers uh, deal with the same problems that coaches deal with. They deal with um, the success and the failures of, of their students. But um, in, in the athletic world, a lot of the failures are, are not just the test score that's handed back to the student uh, at the end of the semester, but it's the daily 
uh, swing and miss, if you will. It's the daily um, ball that goes through their legs uh, that that failure uh, is paramount in the development of, of the youth and how it's handled by the coach. Um, so, you know, sports teach you uh, about the ups and downs in life and sport, a good coach will let you understand that uh, you'll never always be up. And when you're down, the idea is to get up as quickly as possible. And the need that the coach fills is that need of the hand to help them up and that harness to keep them from getting too mm-hmm. hot. Yeah. And, and, you know, when, when you were managing, when you were coaching, you know, aside from the X's and O's, uh, you know, on a personal level, what did you try to instill in your players? That I was there if they needed me, you know, there, there's different needs uh, with every uh, person in uniform and every person in life. And, uh, you know, my challenge day in and day out was to uh, figure out what the need of the individual was. And then the next challenge was uh, to let them know that I was there to help them. Uh, so it, it's it's a real tough chore. You know, you, uh, Tommy Lasorda used to say stuff like, um, you know, I'm uh, like Connell breakfast when you check into the hotel. I'm there if you need me. You don't have to eat if you don't want to. But when you get up, <laughs> if you want to go to breakfast, I'm always there. And, you know, that kind of philosophy has got to be instilled in the player because, uh, you know, the the atmosphere that's created with a lot of teams is the coach is there to give you a high five when you hit a home run. But when you don't do the right thing or you don't have the success that the team needs, a lot of players want to run and hide from the coach. The key to a good coach is that he's there at that time. I never had to tell Mike Piazza, great hit when he hit a home run. But I had to tell him, hey, great block of the ball in the dirt. Or, Mike, don't worry about striking out that at bat. We know you're going to come back later in the game and help us out. And you mentioned Tommy, and that's a perfect segue to my next question, because you always talk about the the impact Tommy Lasorda had and continues to have on your life. And, and you know, I was curious you know, what did you learn from Tommy? And you, you mentioned, you know, a couple things already, but w- what did you learn from him that you really strive to pass along to, to your players and, and other coaches? Well, you know, Tommy was committed. Tommy was committed to the Dodgers. Tommy was committed to his team. And Tommy was committed to every player that he ever had. He would throw batting practice hours on end, whether it was 100 degrees outside or the wind was blowing at 50 miles an hour. Tommy was there when you needed him every day of the week, and not only when he was in uniform, but when he was out of uniform. You know, that commitment is is something that we have created with Steel Sports as one of our core values, but it's an invaluable um, uh, core value. And I learned that from Tommy. I learned uh, the idea about uh, teamwork, you know, from Tommy that, you know, 
I won a few MVPs playing for him. But I knew that, you know, I wasn't going to score that run unless Billy Buckner got the hit and drove me in. Or I wasn't going to be able to drive a guy uh, in and get an RBI unless Steve Garvey was out on, on base. So, you know, he said, we need one another every inning, every minute of the game. And, uh, you know, that that teamwork was um, uh, always instilled in us. And, of course, you know, the, the, the idea of, of respect, well, hell's bells. Tommy was a rookie league manager, and he went from being a rookie league manager all the way to a Hall of Fame manager. And during that time, he not only respected the game, which he did to the utmost, but he also respected the competition. He let us understand that we needed to be prepared. We might have been good. We might have been talented. But we had to understand that other team is good and they're talented also. We had to respect them as much as we respected ourselves. You know, Tommy was an amazing, amazing teacher, coach, and person. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I mean, he's a, he's a big reason why we exist today, steel sports. So uh, just an amazing impact on, on a number of lives. Uh, it, what advice, you know, I want to ask you about coaches starting out, you know, young coaches or, you know, even, even an older coach, maybe a parent that's, you know, just getting started with, uh, with their kid. But uh, what, what advice would you give to someone starting out in coaching? Well, that they have to be genuine. They have to be true to themselves so that the players understand that they're, he's going to be or she's going to be true to them. Um, and it has to be prepared. You know, that, that the one thing that everyone sees is a coach who f- is faking it because they're not prepared at what they're doing. You know, the coach has got to inform, he's got to instruct, and he's got to inspire, and she or she has to instruct and inform and, and inspire, you know. So that means you need to know the current sports uh, philosophies so you can inform the players. You know, you need to understand how to instruct. And that doesn't mean to demonstrate necessarily, but you you have to understand the right mechanic of the sport compared to the the wrong mechanic of the sport. And they have to inspire. They have to have that player want to do it again to want to give their best so that they know there's a reward at the end. And that reward is the coach acknowledging the effort, the, 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 the uh, skill and the enjoyment that the player got out of being successful. And, and you also had the experience to, to go over to Japan for a few years. And, oh, yeah. and experience that culture and then manage over there and, and you know, won a, a Japan Series championship in 2005. So w- with that unique experience, you know, what, what, were, what were you able to learn about not only coaching, but relationships with, with your players and, you know, with the organization in Japan? Yeah, well, you know, you, I, I learned quickly that you had to uh, inspect what you expected because your words weren't always translated and received the way you wanted them to be 
uh, translated and received. And when you're speaking the same language as the person receiving your words, you also have to inspect what you expect. So when you say something, follow that player, follow that group to see if they actually understood what your words were trying to deliver. I also learned that uh, some of the forms of expression like sarcasm is not necessarily <laughs> translated properly. Hey, that was a great swing when a guy swings and misses. Huh? You might want to be <laughs> using some sarcasm for levity uh, in, in a difficult situation. But if it's not translated uh, properly, the player would say, what an idiot he is. He thinks that was a great <laughs> swing. I missed the ball by, well, you know, six inches. The same holds true in coaching when you're speaking the same language. If you use forms of, of comedic relief, you must make sure that the younger player understands that form of, of comedy because they don't sometimes understand <laughs> yeah. that, uh, you know, that, that a lot of comedy uh, and humor uh, because the world has changed so much and has become more politically correct. A lot of the humor uh, has been condensed and the outside forms of humor are not understood. So uh, I learned that in Japan and I think our coaches have to learn that also. And then tone. When you say things your tone matters. The volume and the and the expression in your voice matters, and that often will be received more clearly than your words. So mm -hmm. you, you, you have to. I learned that speaking a different language uh, and trying to communicate, but I also learned that along the way that, you know, players uh, receive things in certain ways. So coaches have to understand how they're delivering the message and practice it. Maybe even listen to themselves at times, get some sayings that they are familiar with and they're comfortable with and make sure that they they evaluate them. They don't take their teaching for granted that they challenge themselves, as I was in Japan, everything that I thought was commonplace in my teaching structure was questioned when I went to a new culture. So before they questioned it, I questioned whether or not my technique at bunning, swinging, throwing, fielding was proper, whether or not my communication forms were Proper and proper meaning not book form, but the form that could be understood. And I want to switch gears a little bit, yeah, uh, and, and get your get your thoughts. You know, is as someone that's in uh, college athletics and as an administrator, yeah. and, and you know, obviously going through this pandemic, you know what. 
what have you seen has been the, the biggest impact in talking about recruiting, but you know, what is the biggest impact COVID is having on, on athlete recruiting? Well, the, the biggest impact is the, the dead period that coaches uh, are not out looking at players that this 2D form of scouting that on the screen with video uh, is is the only way coaches are getting to see their prospective student athletes. It's mm-hmm. it's a nightmare. They don't get to see a player up close and personally. And, and always remember, the world we live in is a 3D environment. This silly screen that we're doing this um, podcast on is a 2D environment. There's an entire dimension that's miss, missing when you're looking at it, but there's also that dimension of watching the player after he he has an at-bat, watching the player when he's going out and, and uh, communicating with an umpire after the umpire might have called a third strike. The body language that is is uh, so important when you're recruiting is often not seen in the video. So this has been a recruiting nightmare. And then added to that is that there have been many cancellations of total seasons of play. My gosh, I don't know what would have happened if when I was a junior in high school, my season wasn't played. When I was a junior, just real quickly, I happened to have a game where I played really well. And there was a guy watching uh, a friend of his, a relative of a friend of his plays. Well, that guy was going to be a coach in Cape Cod that summer. I had one of those games. I ran around the bases. I threw it hard. I hit it far, all that stuff. And the coach got to see me and invited me as a high schooler to go up and play in Cape Cod in a college league. If my season was canceled, I don't play in the college league. If I don't play in the college league, I don't become a number one draft choice. If I'm not a number one draft choice, I never meet Tommy Lasorda. So how Mm – much would my life have been changed drastically. And right now, that void that this pandemic has created in so many lives is going to be really hard to patch up. Yeah, a a lot of lies and flux. And yeah, and and it kind of touches on the other thing that I wanted to ask you about was, you know, what what can prospective athletes do to to stand out to coaches because you know like you mentioned there are these dead periods you know coaches can't go out and and see the athletes you know so a, a lot of it is is on the athletes to try to get in front of the coaches any way they can what you know what can they do to to stick out to those coaches be persistent number 1 and be real somehow some way their personality their being has got to be demonstrated when they send the video, when the coach is looking at them in the video or listening to them on the phone, when they make the phone call, they have to connect in a, in a real way. So they need to do their preparation. They have to understand who they're talking to, 
what school it is that that coach represents. And does the player have the values that that school is looking for? Not only the swing and the throw and the foot speed and the glove talent, but they have to demonstrate that they're the kind of person that the coach wants on that team. It's very difficult for a 15-7 to be real in this virtual world, but they have to do it. Very good. Well, that's that's all I have. And really appreciate you taking the time and, you know, your your involvement and being part of the the Steel Sports team. Thank you so much, Bobby, for for joining the Steel Sports podcast. And I'm sure we'll uh, we'll catch you soon. And my thanks to Steel Sports for uh, trying to do something that is so needed in the world and our country to teach coaches to be better coaches so that the players, the kids can be first and they can can eventually excel. Coaches, you don't have to be a Hall of Famer to be the type of teacher Tommy Lasorda was and continues to be for Bobby Valentine. The lessons remain the same. You have the opportunity to shape lives and motivate your kids to be their best selves as players and as human beings. That wraps it up for another episode of the Steel Sports Podcast. Be sure to hit that subscribe button on your favorite podcast platform. And until next time, thanks for listening.